Welcome to Retail's Most Wanted, the podcast that examines the latest issues related to organized retail crime and how retailers and policymakers are fighting against today's organized crime syndicates. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter, and coming up in just a moment, we'll talk with Tom Wickham, Senior Vice President of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. We'll talk about the impact on business nationwide of organized retail crime. But first, a message from our sponsors. Retail's Most Wanted is brought to you in partnership with the Attorney General Alliance, where U.S. state attorneys general collaborate on emerging legal issues and the rule of law at home and across borders. Learn more at agalliance.com. Retail's Most Wanted is brought to you in partnership with LVT, securing physical environments through intelligent automation. Learn more at lvt.com. That's lvt.com. Tom Wickham is the former parliamentarian of the U.S. House of Representatives, and he now serves as senior vice president of state and local policy at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He leads the chamber's new division that monitors state and local policy developments and coordinates advocacy strategies within the existing chamber framework. The U.S. Chamber is an organization I have great respect for, and Tom, we're really glad to have you on Retail's Most Wanted. Thanks for taking some time with us. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start here, Tom. You work with both small businesses and larger companies at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. What are you hearing from them about organized retail crime in our businesses? Well, we're hearing that it's uh, having a major impact on both small businesses and large corporations here in the United States. We're hearing from small business owners like Anna Fernandez. She's a dessert shop owner down in San Antonio, Texas, and she worked really hard to stay open during COVID, some real challenging times down there. A number of her neighboring businesses closed, and then after COVID, she was hit with an uptick in crime, burglarized many times, but she really wanted to stay open. Finally, she came into the shop one morning and found that the air conditioning didn't work. So she was preparing for a hefty bill from a repair person, but the repair person informed her that her AC unit had been stolen from the roof and her business had to unfortunately close. We're hearing from businesses in California like Henry's House of Coffee, a small family-owned coffee roaster that's really trying to stay above water due to the impact of crime, multiple break-ins, investments in trying to make the shop more secure. We have a saying here in the U.S. Chamber, no business should have to close because of crime. And it's not just the small businesses, the larger corporations are also feeling the effect. We recently did a survey for our crime report to business, our crime risk to business report, and it found that uh, mentions of organized retail crime in earnings statements from S&P 500 companies had doubled from 2022 to 2023. The small businesses, the large corporations are really getting hit by this, and Congress is starting to take notice. As you mentioned, I'm a former Hill employee and 
three committees have held hearings on retail crime within the last eight months. The states are taking notice as well. Very happy to see 20 states having changed their laws with regard to retail crime in the last 15 months. The governors of both New York and California are both calling for uh, retail crime bills from their legislature in, in 2024. So we're hearing from small businesses and large corporations and our policymakers are starting to take notice and we're hoping we can bring everyone together to really take a take a, a bite out of this uh, this uh, very important area. For whatever reason, there's uh, more natural sympathy, it seems, for small businesses. But we see organized retail crime hitting big box stores and nationwide chains. But this rash of organized retail crime doesn't just hurt the stores. It doesn't just hurt the owners of the stores, whether those are larger groups or whether it's a mom and pop type of shop. It also hits shoppers with higher prices and, and hurts communities we live in and work with. I just wonder if you could speak a little bit to what what the impact is on uh, communities from a public safety standpoint when uh, crime is unchecked or when there's a, a flare-up of, of retail crime in an area? It has a profound impact on the communities. We that uh, work in this area really bristle when we hear the term victimless crime. When crime hits a store, they're forced to raise prices. People often lose their jobs. Businesses close down. And then, as a result of that, you have underserved communities that have nowhere to get their groceries or their pharmacies. It really does have a community-wide impact. The other thing that we're seeing is a real uptick in the violence. And that has been a game-changer for both small businesses and our major corporations Talk to anyone who's a veteran in this area. They're going to tell you that shrink and loss prevention have been around for a long time. But the uptick in violence that we're seeing has really made the situation intolerable and caused groups like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to call it a national crisis and really rally the troops on this issue. You mentioned rallying the troops on the issue. The chamber's been working with a lot of stakeholders, as I understand it. Could you tell us about the folks who've come to the table to help address this, who've partnered with the chamber, and some of the success stories you've had from being that, uh, that collaboration point? We're really fortunate to have committed partners in this space. We work mostly with companies and with state chambers of commerce, the Ohio Chamber of Commerce is one that I'll, I'll mention. They've started a crime task force within their state chamber. They're working with their attorney general, Attorney General Yost. There's going to be an event there in March involving the U.S. Chamber, the Ohio Chamber, and the attorney general that we're really looking forward to. In addition, We've seen that the attorney generals in most of the states have really been assertive on this. We're grateful to partner with the Attorney General Alliance and Protecting Americans Project to really try to make an impact and uh, look at creative solutions when it comes to 
to retail crime. Another one I'll mention is the New Mexico Chamber. They took the innovative step of organizing an ORCA, which we call Organized Retail Crime Association. Coordination is so key in combating retail crime. The New Mexico Chamber took the step of placing an ORCA within the chamber, gathering police, gathering prosecutors, gathering lawmakers and businesses all under one roof to look for common solutions. And as a result of that, they were able to push some very effective legislation through the New Mexico uh, legislature. We, as I said, we have a, uh, a report, Crime Risk to Businesses, that lays out a number of these solutions and a number of our valuable partners. So I'd encourage folks to, to look in there for, uh, for uh, inspiration, for ideas, for how to combat retail crime. I'd like to talk just a little bit more about what's in that report. I mean, this is such a serious and pressing, pressing issue. Uh, what, is, what is the chamber suggesting that businesses and policymakers do to combat organized retail crime? Well, we are starting to put forward solutions. We're taking those ideas we're getting from those successful state chambers, those business associations, those state leaders, and we've just published a blog on three steps to combat retail crime in 2024. The first step is coordinate. This is a complex issue where we have stakeholders in the police, prosecutors, businesses, policymakers, attorney generals, and the ability to unite everyone, unite all of the resources. The federal government plays a role as well to unite them and to coordinate those resources so that these organized retail crime associations can get the right partners in the same room. I've been very fortunate to see these loss prevention experts from the individual businesses and prosecutors and police in the same room and it really does make a difference. The second step we're calling upon states to do is to aggregate, to update their laws to match the sophistication of these criminals. The criminals, they're operating in gangs, highly sophisticated, often know the threshold for a felony in their state. We've heard of reports where Shoplifting gangs are bringing calculators into the stores because they're going to steal just below the felony threshold in that state. What aggregation does is it updates the laws and allows prosecutors to aggregate multiple offenses and hit those multiple repeat criminals really hard. And that's made a big difference. That was a suggestion of a very effective prosecutor from San Diego County, and she's the incoming president of the National District Attorneys Association, Summer Stevens, who's been a, a great partner. And then finally, we really do want to call upon those prosecutors to take these crimes seriously. The local prosecutor is the gatekeeper to the criminal justice system. And their decisions about uh, 
uh, arrest policies, um, charging uh, philosophies, release um, decisions all make a big difference. And those criminal groups are watching. We uh, have worked with prosecutors to try to make sure that they are addressing these crimes appropriately to protect businesses and to ask for additional resources if there are backlogs and provide a little bit more disclosure on those conviction and arrest policies so that we can have a little more transparency in the process. So we would ask policymakers and businesses to coordinate, to aggregate, and to prosecute to try to address retail crime. For our audience that may want to uh, look into more of what the Chamber is doing on this issue, where can they go to find more about the Chamber's work on organized retail crime? Well, in addition to the reports I mentioned, Crime Risk to uh, Business 2023 and our newest blog on ways to combat uh, retail crime in 2024, our website at U.S. Chamber uh, backslash crime and our data center where we have a number of state-by-state statistics on where uh, regional crime or where retail crime is hitting what regions is a a great resource for people. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this. I would be remiss if I did not ask you about your job as parliamentarian in the U.S. House of Representatives. What was the coolest thing about that job that our audience would say, wow, the parliamentarian, that's a big deal? Well, in addition to being in the chamber for everyday daily activities, which can range from a major tax bill being passed to a post office being named after a local hero, we're also in the chamber for those larger events, such as every State of the Union I've witnessed from 1995 through um, 2021. And for all of those gatherings of foreign leaders coming to the chamber, including the Pope, including uh, uh, major leaders from Europe, those were really thrilling moments to be the parliamentarian. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for your work fighting back against organized retail crime and our thanks to the U.S. Chamber for its collective work in bringing so many states together to work on this pressing issue. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Retail's Most Wanted. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, LVT and the Attorney General Alliance. Don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button so you can catch each new episode. We're going to drop one about every two weeks. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Links are in the show notes below. Thanks for being with us, everyone, and keep up the good fight.